And we're back! We hope you enjoyed our January schedule, but this week we aim to get you up to date with all the things you may have missed while Dave was recording his album. That's right, I'm back in the real world, and it appears that a lot happened in January, which I had no idea about. Don't forget to find us on our social media channels. We're at Space and Things One on Twitter and at Space and Things Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love hearing from you. And please consider hitting that share button. But right now, please enjoy episode 75 of the Space and Things Podcast. You're listening to Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to episode 75 of our podcast. Emily, it's been a while. How are you? I'm doing great. So, how are you doing? Oh, <laughs> what you been up to the last <laughs> few weeks? <laughs> oh. For those of you who didn't know, uh, Dave did an album at Abbey Road. Uh, he, he supplied us online with a bunch of pictures, and it, it just... I'm so proud and excited for you. That is amazing. I'm uh, still very much there. Oh! Yeah, that's awesome. He says as he takes a sip from his Abbey Road mug. Yeah, it feels like I'm very much still in the room. It's been a week since we finished, and uh, I'm not over it. It was genuinely the most wonderful experience I've ever had. I'll tell you what it's like. When you walk into that main room, it's like how you feel when you go into Mission Control at Houston. That's that's (laughs) the same feeling you get. So then imagine working there. (laughs) <laughs> and that being your base for 10 days and you finding out all the different quirks and you're playing a piano and then you get told, oh yeah, this is the one that Penny Lane was <laughs> was recorded on and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it, wow. it, was, it was nuts and we none of us wanted to leave. And we made something which I think is really good as well. So it's going to take a long time to come out because that's the nature of music manufacturing at the moment. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was a special experience. And... And Nicole Stott and Christina Corp came and stopped by, and they're both appearing on the album. So I've got an astronaut appearing on my album, Emily. How about that? That is awesome. That is incredible. I, I cannot wait to hear it. It's I know it's going to be awesome. So I'm very excited, and I'm very proud. Just seeing the pictures, I was like, I know somebody who actually made an album at Abbey Road. Like, yeah. For real. For real. I can brag and say that. You know, that's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm very aware that at the moment I'm turning into that person that starts every sentence with, when I was at Abbey Road. <laughs> hey, I, I say, you know what I say, though? Embrace it. Uh, I, just embrace it. You did something awesome. And I feel when you go through an experience like that, you have every right to, like, brag about it. Yeah. I would begin everything with it, like, you know, the lessons I learned from Abby, like I would just drop it into like every other sentence, probably. So I say brag about it. Absolutely. I think I will. Anyway, I want to thank some of our listeners. Quite a few of our listeners, in fact, really helped me get there and, and contributed very handsomely to the project. So uh, and yourself, family as well. So thank you to, to everyone who's done that, because it really was everything I wanted it to be and so much more. So enough about that. Let's uh, let's crack on. We've got so much to talk about. Okay, we're off to a good start. Play it cool. So let's get stuck in with things I miss in January. Firstly, Emily, what have you been writing? I, I need to get myself up to date. I'm going to be honest. I've not read any of your output this last month. I'm gonna. It's on my to-do list for this week. But give me a synopsis of, of what you put into the world. I've seen a few of your posts. 
Oh gosh, I know I've done a few Celestia's pieces. Probably between December and January, I've done, I'm guessing, four pieces for them. Wow. Uh, and it would be on their blog. Uh, I wrote a piece called Space in the 80s uh, on my Medium blog, which is about Epcot and how Gerard K. O'Neill, <laughs> I'm never going to stop writing about this dude, <laughs> uh, helped inspire Epcot Center uh, in Orlando, Florida. Really? Yep. I had no idea there was a connection there. Yeah. Um, I knew he'd worked on a ride there or he'd helped design a ride there, but I thought he'd helped with Spaceship Earth, which is the big like globe thingy. Golf ball kind of thing at the front. Yeah, that you that you see at the front of Epcot. And it turns out he actually helped with Horizons, uh, which is a ride that got torn down some years, like 20-something years ago. But um, Horizons, I forgot all about this. That was my favorite ride when I was a kid because <laughs> it had a space ending and I always chose the space ending. And I think I, I think I wrote it a few times, but uh, I am now the proud owner of a Horizons tribute t-shirt. Nice. Yeah, but he helped design Horizons and that ride, somebody actually took a video of it back in the day and put it online, but the, the ride actually has an O'Neill cylinder in it, which is really cool because we're all supposed to be living on one of those. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Right. I wish. Right. <laughs> but uh, I also wrote a, another article called uh, Chaos, Crying, and Car Trips. Uh, Gerard O'Neill and Brian O'Leary during the mid 60s. Now, that is a title <laughs> of an article I want to read. I love the way this article turned out. You just have to read it because it, it stems on how both of their lives were changed by the car radio. Ah. Dead serious. Wow. Not making that up. Okay. Exactly. So I was like, Wow, they've both provided me with the literary device I can use. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Well, yeah, I look forward to that one. What else have we got? And uh, the latest one I, I've done, the last one I've done in January was uh, called Space in the 70s. That's on my NSS, uh, This Space Available blog. And it's about uh, Deke Slayton, uh, what he did after Apollo Soyuz. It basically starts right after, I mean, immediately after he returns to Earth and it goes into what he did after he left NASA. Right. So check them out. Uh, and I, I've got a list of other things I'm interested in working on this year. So I'm hoping to put out several articles a month uh, between everything I'm doing. So I'm hoping uh, I might have to take a break later this year. But for now, I've got a, a pretty decent list of things I'm interested in writing about. That's fantastic. So is this Space in the 80s going to become a series like Space in the 70s? It might. Um, I was kind of just playing around with it because I was like, you know, I have space in the 70s. Well, I'll just do space in the 80s as well, because I'm really fascinated with both of those decades as sort of like springboards to what we're doing now. Yeah, because I think a lot of the language that we're starting to use or some of the language that we see now, I read stuff from that time and I'm like, they were talking about this back then. Mm. It just took a while for it to happen, you know? Like um, some of the entrepreneurs back then, their worldview is astonishingly similar to that of like current space entrepreneurs. So I think that uh, it's kind of interesting to look back and think, OK, this is not something brand new. This is something that has always kind of been in the works. And now we're finally able to achieve it. I guess a lot of people think they know about space in the 80s as well because of how big the shuttle was. But there's probably a lot of stories that people aren't aware of, which you can put under the umbrella of space in the 80s and bring it to their attention, similar to the Epcot Center, for example. Yeah, Epcot was Epcot was huge. Um, it, it, I, granted, the Epcot that 
was first opened now is very dated. Yeah. <laughs> it's very 70s and 80s. But back then, you know, it was like, wow, you know, we're going to be living in space in the future. And it was very future forward, I guess, to put it. So it is something to write about because it was sort of a vision of what to expect. You know, yeah. I really hope someone somewhere, and I know we're digressing here, but I really hope someone has got a time lapse document of uh, exactly how that front half of the Ep- Epcot Center at Disney World has changed over the years. Because it's always supposed to be about looking to the future, right? So, yeah, uh, you've got to hope that someone has got a copy of that because I'd actually really like to see it. Yeah, I know they closed Horizons down and they tore it down completely. Wow. And now uh, I think Mission Space is there now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't been for for 20 years, so yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm going back again sometime this year, and I'm so excited because I honestly have not been to Epcot. Um, I'm embarrassed to admit this, probably since Horizons was open. And I live like you know, yeah. an hour. Yeah. I don't really. I live an hour away yeah. from there. Like every time I drive to Kennedy Space Center, I go past, past it. Epcot. <laughs> you know, and I'll see the big sign in the in the mouse ears, like "Hey, come here to Disney." And I'm like, "No, I'm good. I'm going to the Space Center." So I have no excuse for not going for the past thirty something years. Uh, so, it's yeah. not cheap, though, is it? No, so. it is not. It, it used to be. Probably back when I went back as a kid in the 80s, it was cheap. Yeah. But now it's a little expensive to go. And if you want to stay at Disney, it's it's a little pricey because they have like their own resorts. stuff. Yeah. The resorts and stuff. And those are those are fun to stay. I think I've stayed at a Disney resort before and it was really nice. It was I really loved it. Yeah, I have no doubt. Anyway, we have digressed, so let's get back to some space stuff, shall we? For months, we've been talking about the idea of meeting up at Space Fest in 2022, but it has been announced that they won't be holding a big event in Tucson this year due to all the uncertainty still around and because of how long these things take to plan once you have that certainty. Nova Space, the company who runs Space Fest, is just a small company, and obviously this will make their year rather difficult. So um, we'd like to emphasize that their website is full of incredible Uh, memorabilia items, uh, incredible space art, and they ship everywhere. So if you're willing and able, uh, we really do encourage you to head over to novaspace.com and do some shopping. Uh, They said they're also hoping to run some smaller events and maybe some online things too. So please make sure that you're following their social media pages as well for information. Yeah, this is sad news, but obviously completely understandable as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hopefully they'll be able to do it all again on a large scale in future. Uh, We of course had one of the organizers, Kelsey Poor, on the podcast way back on episode 41. So if you want to find out more about what we're on about, that's probably a good place to start. Uh, There are some events happening this year though. Uh, in Switzerland, there is an event called Legends of Space taking place at the Swiss Tech Convention Center on March 18th and 19th. Uh, and the list of special guests is really quite something, just to name a few here. Uh, Dave Scott, Dr. Kathy Sullivan, Charlie Duke, Ellen Ochoa, and Jerry Griffin. Uh, plus, I'm aware there will soon be some announcements about some Apollo 16 50th anniversary events, which might be taking place at the start of May. You may remember Christina Corp telling us about 
some of these ideas back on episode 42. And they might just be happening. So we'll have more info on that when we're allowed to talk about them. And the Cosmosphere in Kansas has put a save the date note up for 2nd of December as they have a 60th anniversary of their museum event, which is hopefully going to happen. And it coincides with the 50th anniversary of Apollo 17. So that's one to keep an eye on as well. And of course, we'll let you know as soon as we know. Wow, I would love to go to that one. That sounds like it's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's on my list as well. Yeah, I might be doing that, seriously, because uh, I've never been to that museum, and everybody's like, you got you just got to go there, and I have to go there. Yeah. So that I think I might be doing that. I think Lois Honeycutt is talking about doing a space hipster's table or oh, whatever that is. Yes. So it may be an event. So we, we might want to uh, look into that as well. Space hipsters? I, I've never heard of that group. <laughs> never heard of them. All right. <laughs> I have no idea. Other events we are aware of include Air Venture 2022, which will take place in Oshkosh, Wisconsin from 25th to 31st July. Um, although it is uh, predominantly an air show, spaceflight is a big part of the uh, Experimental Aircraft Association Museum. And I had an incredible time last year. Uh, I hope to get there this year. We'll see. Um, there's also the Jasper Dark Sky Festival in Alberta, Canada which will take place from uh, October 14th to the 23rd this year. Uh, Jasper is a dark sky preserve due to its limited light pollution. So it's really one of the best places to watch the sky. And this will be the seventh festival where they invite people to come and enjoy the sky, but also arrange some special guests to do talks and events. And uh, one other event of note that we're currently aware of, the uh, National Aviation Hall of Fame We'll be inducting the class of 2022 at an event at the U.S. Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio, on September 24th. In terms of spaceflight, two of the inductees are of interest to us. Uh, Margaret Hamilton is being recognized for her role in developing flight system software for the Apollo program. And astronaut Story Musgrave, the only astronaut to fly on all five of the space shuttle orbiters, is also being inducted. And he's a heck of a pilot, too, so I'm really... Uh, I, I forgot he's flown like something like 10,000 plus hours. Wow. Uh, something insane. So the inductees are, it's very much well-deserved. I've heard that Story Musgrave is also an incredible speaker when he's at events. So I don't know if you've ever seen him, Emily, but it's definitely on my list of people I want to see do a talk. I have seen him and I, you are absolutely correct. Uh, you heard right. He is, he is incredible and he's wonderful to listen to. He's one of those people, like when you read his resume, you're like, you just want to give <laughs> yeah. up because it's like this guy is like 10 PhDs, <laughs> is a doctor or writer. Like he's truly does everything and he's flown in space on every orbiter. So it's like every time you look at a CV, you're like, I quit. Like I, I'm just a loser, you know. But then honestly, when you hear him talk and when you interact with him, like if you've ever met him, he's just really cool. And he is an inspirational person because you're just like, we'll just say he, he came some sort of from a, a modest background and. You know, this was somebody who you wouldn't expect him to make it like to where he has. But he I mean, he really kind of beat the odds. Do you know if he has a book out? He does not have a book out, but there is a biography written about him some years back. I, I, I forgot who. Dang it. I forgot who wrote it. I did put you on the spot. there. But it's called Story the Way of Water is what it's called. It, it's very stream of consciousness in a lot of ways. It, it's not like a straight on biography if that makes any sense yeah. but i recommend reading it it's it's really incredible it gives a lot of perspective on his life and career and kind of how he became who he was 
So mm. uh, I highly would recommend reading it. And it, it's really interesting because if you look at his whole astronaut class, the XS-11, it, it, there were so many kind of different personalities and different people from just different walks of life completely in there. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying diverse because they were all white guys, but there was definitely a lot of like you could tell NASA was looking for sort of a different group of people, you know, like you had somebody like, I guess, Chapman, who was an Australian American, but, you know, he had sort of a different background from a lot of people, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's it's kind of an. I love that class. I wish somebody would make a movie about it or something. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I will. Yeah, a lot of characters in that class for sure. Yes. Anyway, I'm sure that there are other events already confirmed in other places, but these are the ones which we know about. So if you're interested, check them out. I'll be putting links in the show notes. And also, let us know if you're aware of any other events, and we'll happily put a spotlight on them as well. But for me, that one at the Cosmosphere, 2nd of December, I think that's the one. I've got some flight vouchers. I'm going to try and make my way over. Yes. That one looks very special. Absolutely. And in terms of news stories, what did we miss in January? Well, before we get to that, at the very end of December, Iran announced that they attempted their fourth launch of their Cymorg, we'll call it that, of their (laughs) Cymorg rocket. Uh, They claimed it was a successful suborbital flight, but those who know better than me have said that the trajectory of the rocket looks like they were trying to get into low Earth orbit, but it didn't quite make it. Oh. Who knows? Yeah. It was a bad Bobby flight. Yeah. yeah. In January, though, uh, there have been nine space launches, and I'm surprised that there was only nine. It felt like every week at the end of 2022, there was at least four or more launches. So I was a little disappointed that there's only been nine in the whole month. Uh, However, SpaceX managed four of those with their Falcon 9 rocket, all from Florida. Uh, and there was also an Atlas V launch for a United Launch Alliance from Florida. And Virgin Orbit successfully launched from the Mojave Air and Spaceport in California. There was also a sounding rocket launch from uh, NASA's Wallops Flight Facility in Virginia. And the two other launches were by the China Aerospace and Science Corporation. Now, full details of the dates, payloads and videos, if they exist, of these launches will be put in our show notes, which you can find a link to within your podcast provider or... Just visit our website, spaceandthingspodcast.com. Before I start with the next news story, I did see one of the SpaceX rockets go off in January. Oh, yeah. I was in the parking lot of my local taco joint with a taco watching it. Nice. It was pretty awesome. But then people were like mad at me on Space Hipsters because you're like, man, you just have to go eat a taco and see a rocket (laughs) launch. Like, you know, like I magically conjured a rocket launch or something, you know, just (laughs) my secrets out. Okay. The big news in January was that the James Webb Space Telescope has successfully reached its final destination. Uh, Launched on Christmas morning, the $10 billion telescope has been deploying its systems and structures while traveling the 930,000-mile trip to L2, which is the second sun, Earth, Lagrange Point, where it has established an orbit. Lagrange Points are gravitationally stable orbits in space. Uh, It has now turned its cameras on uh, to look at its first target star, but of course we will know that it will take still a few more months before we start seeing anything from the telescope. If you'd like to know more about this telescope, you should definitely check out episode 68 of our podcast with Mark McCorkran, 
of the European Space Agency. The fact that so far it's all been so successful is just wonderful news. Uh, there hasn't been a single issue as far as I can remember, which is to me is just amazing. Um, the launch was apparently so accurate that the amount of fuel on board the telescope should see it to be able to operate for 20 years which is much longer than it was anticipated to work for. For something as complex as this, to so far has worked as flawless as it has. It's, if, it, if this carries on, it's worth however long they delayed it and however much it's cost, because when the point they've launched it, it's worked. And that's what you can hope, all you can hope for, right? More than worked. Absolutely. Than worked. Absolutely. Meanwhile, on Mars, Perseverance has successfully collected another sample. And now it, it had two attempts at this one. It had two attempts at this one from a rock called Isol or Isol. And the first attempt was at the end of December. But the sample tube wouldn't close properly due to some pebbles being in the way. So it was decided that they would ditch that sample and then they shook the tube to release the pebbles. So the second attempt to get a sample from this rock was successful and the Perseverance Twitter account posted a rather amusing image where it looked like the rock is surprised with the two <laughs> sample holes looking like eyes and then there's a mark lower on the rock looking like a gasping mouth. It's quite amusing. Anyway, I'll, I'll put funny. a link to that tweet. Also, scientists studying data from the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, which has been orbiting the planet since 2006, have discovered that liquid water may have flowed on the planet as little as two 2 billion years ago, which is much later than scientists originally thought. Previously, it was considered that it was 3 billion years since water flowed on Mars. So, only a whole billion years out. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's just crazy how little we know about the planets in our solar system. Like, and and the, the gaps in the knowledge are that wide. Absolutely, yeah. And we're, and we're still just in the process of really figuring things out, and it's 2022. Exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the ISS... There was a seven-hour spacewalk on January 19th by two cosmonauts, Anton Shklaparov, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Pyotr Dubrov, in which they ran cables to the new uh, Prachal, I think that's it, module, which will be used by future Soyuz crew spacecraft and Progress cargo vehicles. Uh, some stunning images came out of the spacewalk of the two appearing to hang off the end of the module. More news from the station. The White House has directed NASA to extend operations through to 2030, but with the caveat that other partners must sign on as well. NASA has currently only got funding to run day-to-day -day operations on the station until 2024, but they were hoping to sign off on some of these duties to commercial partners. Uh, this new agreement allows for more time for this changeover to happen, but hopefully not at the expense of NASA focusing on Artemis and the future moon landings. We shall see. Absolutely. Also on the ISS, a new study has started, which has meant that astronauts have become the first archaeologists in space. Six test pits have been designated, which will be studied over the length of this study. Each pit is a square, uh, which has will be photographed daily to monitor the contents of that area. They're placed in different areas of the space station. Of course, our previous guest, Dr. Alice Gorman, is a co-principal investigator of this project, and she's been talking about what it is hoped we will learn. Uh, so if you want to learn, learn more about Dr. Alice Gorman, check out episode 66 for our full interview with her. But about this, she has said... 
What we'll learn is how objects circulate around the space station and how long they stay in one spot. It's about patterns and routines of everyday life in microgravity. If the same artifact type appears frequently in all six squares, which covers areas used for working, eating and performing experiments, then that may indicate it's an artifact with high multifunctionality. The sort of thing that you might want to have when you're in a space station orbiting the moon or on the surface of Mars. So that's the end of the quote there. But this kind of study absolutely fascinates me. I love the fact that even though this station has been operating pretty successfully since, well, for the last 20 years, they're still trying to learn more about best practices, uh, which may have implications on this station and other craft of the future. They just never stop trying to learn. And it's quite inspiring to me anyway. Absolutely. It, it's really cool that they're trying to do that just to make, you know, spaceflight a little bit more uh, functional for everybody. Absolutely. It's a, such a great way of doing it as well. Like, yeah. such a great idea. It's smart. Meanwhile, the planned fully commercial mission to the ISS by Axiom Space has been delayed from February to March due to spacecraft preparations and orbital traffic. Axiom have also announced that they plan to build a movie studio for the station by 2024. And Tom Cruise is, of course, involved. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm laughing. It's funny. It's funny. I'm trying to be like Walter Cronkite and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> a UK-based company called Space Entertainment Enterprise has... Of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> has commissioned Axiom Space to build an inflatable module, which contains a production studio intended to host films, television, music, and sports events, as well as artists, producers, and creatives who want to make content in the low orbit microgravity environment so it looks like we've got your next venue sorted for your next album recording you know <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea i want to go to the iss man i want to uh, write a book on the iss there we go there you go we'll go we'll go together let's you go together I'll, I'll make an album hell How about that? yes hell yes <laughs> this is 2022 this is what we're doing this is how we're doing it. We got two or three years to uh, to raise $40 million, million or whatever it is. Oh, my God. For each of us. Yeah. Like, yeah, each. We just need each 80 as well. We just need $80 million. We're just appealing respectfully for $80 million. Yeah, That's respectfully. <laughs> respectfully and realistically, yeah. we just need $80 million. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners will come up Trump's Yeah, there. I'm sure somebody will just throw it at us. Like, here you go. Like, you know, yeah. some... <laughs> Alrighty. Oh my god. I need a I need us some water after that. <laughs> <laughs> in other news, on January 26th, Israel became the latest country to sign the Artemis Accords. The country is already involved with the Artemis program, so it's not a shock that they've signed up. But they are the 16th country to join, with NASA expecting and perhaps hoping that other nations will also join. Israel are testing a radiation vest on the first uncrewed Artemis mission, which we will hopefully see launch this year. This vest will track how much radiation an astronaut can expect to receive on a lunar voyage. The Accords establish a framework for cooperation in civil exploration and peaceful use of the Moon, Mars and other astronomical objects. So hopefully we won't have a situation like in For All Mankind. Yeah, that's actually a really cool idea, the radiation vest, because um, I'm really glad somebody's doing that because I was thinking yeah. about that. I'm like, that's really one big limiter of like deep space exploration is, is radiation. And that's a, you know, we may want to just get a gauge on it just to see where, you know, 
see how much or just, you know, a, a, a better gauge, I guess, because Apollo went a few times and, you know, it's just I think it's something important since that's something that's limiting. So while somebody's in space, how much radiation they can get and be OK afterwards. And then I guess you can start planning for, I don't know, items of clothing or designing structures that might be able to pr- protect from those levels of radiation. I don't know the science behind that, but it would ha- definitely give an indication of how much protection may be required in the future if they're going to be out there for a long period of time. Exactly. Um, especially if we go to Mars, you know, if, if they send sure, people yeah. to Mars, it's it's definitely kind of an unknown. And I, I look at it as an unknown because I don't think it's something that's really been thought about as much as it should, you know, because yeah. that that's something that is a potential danger, really. For sure. And finally, January is always the month we remember those who have fallen and given their lives in the pursuit of space exploration. On January 27th, NASA released a new video to remember the three crews and other fallen astronauts to mark their annual day of remembrance. It was the 55th anniversary of the tragic Apollo 1 fire. And of course, this week also contains the anniversaries of the Challenger disaster on January 28th, 1986, and the Columbia accident on February 1st, 2003. We'll post the video in the show notes on our website. It's a wonderful tribute to those we have lost. Today, up here where the blue sky turns to black, we can say at long last to Dick, Mike, Judy, to Ron and Al, and to Krista and Greg. Dear friends, we have resumed the journey that we promised to continue for you. Dear friends, your loss has meant that we could confidently begin anew. Dear friends, your spirit and your dream And we have just learned of the passing of Lee Silver, the Caltech geologist who taught the last several Apollo crews how to do geology on the moon. He was 96 years old. He was prominently featured in the miniseries From the Earth to the Moon on HBO, uh, starring Tom Hanks, and the book that the show was based on, A Man on the Moon by Andrew Chaikin. We will provide links about his career in the show notes, and we send our deepest condolences to his family and friends. There is Maury's trial. Well, don't move it till I see it. It's all over. Maury! Don't move it till I see it. I've started up with my feet. And that's it for this week. It's good to be back, and we're now just planning what we're going to try and do over the next few months. I'll be inviting some guests on to talk to us, and hopefully we'll have some great things for you to enjoy. If you want to be the first to find out what we're planning and even submit questions to our guests, then please do consider signing up to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash space and things. We really do value everyone who helps us trying to create this podcast, and as we start to approach our 100th show, it's really crazy to look how far we've come with it absolutely i I can't believe we're at 75 shows to me that's unreal Um, i know right it is crazy Uh, awesome crazy in a good way though um yeah absolutely and even if you're not able to help us out financially uh we know 80 80 million is a lot to ask no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) just kidding um even if you're not able to help us out on patreon if you can press the share button or tell your friends about what we're up to That would be wonderful, but don't forget, in space, no one can hear you meet. Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.